Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. This is our Wednesday edition, uh, January 18th of 2023, uh, week 14. So Wednesday of week 14. Technically, I'm recording this on the 19th on Thursday morning, since I'm uh, staying up a little bit later tonight. But regardless, um, we're going to go ahead and get started. Unfortunately, we don't we don't have Justin for this episode. Uh, Talked to him. Both of us were kind of unsure whether either of us would be able to record an episode uh, tonight. At one point, we thought maybe he could do a solo effort, but then uh, he kind of had some personal plans that got in the way. Uh, I thought for a while I wasn't going to be able to do it, but then uh, my schedule freed up a little bit towards the end of the night here, so I'm able to do a shorter episode. So, But I think Justin is interested in doing a episode tomorrow, uh, joining us for our uh, franchise focus episode for tomorrow where we'll be talking about the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers so stay tuned for that certainly but also uh, feel free to join us tonight for our normal Wednesday action we're going to summarize our games from last night then we'll talk through the key news uh, events and then we'll get into see into some uh, excuse me some rumor mill type discussions this is more just like um, trade deadline type talk uh, that's kind of the main thing that's you know the main area of speculation, I suppose, at this point in the season. So we'll t- get into some ESPN plus pieces from that that I think are, are pretty good. Um, and then we'll talk our weekly predictions before we wrap things up. So let's go ahead and get started with those game summaries. We only have a handful of games from last night's action. So let's go ahead and talk about those. Uh, firstly, um, let's go ahead and see. Yeah, we had four games from Tuesday night's action. Firstly, the Milwaukee Bucks defended home court against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I want to say this is uh, maybe the third or fourth game that Milwaukee has won in a row. Let me double check. Oh, only the second game. Okay, so not not quite stringing the wins together as maybe I'd let, I thought or hoped they would. Uh, they're still without Giannis, but this is their second straight win without, without Giannis, so that's good for them uh, to be able to get those wins without their best player. Uh, Drew Holiday scores a season high, 37 points in this game. Um, Toronto claimed a lead at the end of the half, but for the most part, Milwaukee held a lead through uh, probably two-thirds of this game. For Toronto, uh, they were led by Fred, Fred Van Vliet. Again, he's had another great game. He's had a last, his last couple of games have been pretty good for them. 39 points in this one, nine rebounds, seven assists. Uh, 28 points for Gary Trent Jr., so the backcourt there doing its job. 23 from Pascal Siakam, starting at center still. Uh, 14 points, 13 boards for, excuse me, for Scotty Barnes. Meanwhile, for Milwaukee, uh, they were led by Drew Holiday, as I mentioned. 37 points for him, a season high. Seven assists as well, six rebounds, two steals and a block, so nice defensive numbers. Kind of really a battle of the two guards, Holiday versus Van Vliet. Uh, both pretty close in their effort. But then the Bucks just a touch more well-rounded. Uh, Grayson Allen chipped in 25 points, so both teams had great backcourt efforts. Uh, 19 from Brooke Lopez, 12 points, 12 boards from Bobby Portis, still starting in place of Giannis, uh, of Giannis since he's missed those games. 10 points, 8 rebounds for Condon, and 15 points off the bench with 8 assists, 6 rebounds for Joe Ingles. Jingle and Joe uh, being a nice, productive player for Milwaukee since he's returned from that injury that uh, – prevented him from playing with Portland and um, took him out of the first several games of the season. Uh, but Milwaukee gets a win there in Toronto or against Toronto, excuse me, it was in Milwaukee. Uh, next surprise win here for, well, sort of surprise win. 
for the San Antonio Spurs. They defeat the Brooklyn Nets in San Antonio, 106 to 98. Um, and part of the story is the Nets were without Kyrie Irving, certainly a, a big factor for them. Um, similar to the last game we talked about, Brooklyn uh, made a run of things towards halftime, uh, but San Antonio held a big, uh, good lead throughout much of the game. For Brooklyn, uh, no Kyrie, meaning that the guards were Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. Uh, Simmons had a triple-double, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, Seth Curry with 16 points, and Nick Claxton with 15 points. Three other double-figure scorers off the bench, uh, TJ Warren with 19. He led all scorers for Brooklyn, 15 for Cam Thomas, and 13 for Edmund Sumner. Meanwhile, for San Antonio, uh, only four guys in double figures. One of them was Keldon Johnson. He had a career night. 36 points for him, 11 rebounds, uh, and four steals. So nice job for him. Sohan, I'm re- learning that's how you pronounce his name. Sohan, the rookie, 16 points, um, 13 for Trey Jones, 12 for Yaka Pirtle, and San Antonio able to get the win against Brooklyn without uh, the Nets having the services of Kyrie Irving. So a big win for San Antonio. Um, next, the Denver Nuggets take care of business at home against the Portland Trailblazers. They stay atop the Western Conference, although the Grizzlies continue to inch on the Nuggets territory. Uh, but for now, Denver still holds that top spot. Uh, they beat the Trailblazers. This is the Nuggets' seventh straight victory, so they, they have a pretty good win streak going themselves. Um, and fairly close through the first half, but then Denver took a lead into the second half. Uh, for Portland, they were led by Lillard's 44 points, eight assists. He continues to play some of the best basketball we've seen uh, in his career, but the team isn't quite gelling as it was at the beginning of the season for whatever reason. Uh, 14 points for Anthony Simons, 18 points for Jeremy Grant, 10 boards for Nurkic, and 13 points for Shaden Sharp off the bench. Outside of Lillard, not a great wealth of help for the Trailblazers alongside him. Meanwhile, for Denver, uh, they had a usual triple-double for Jokic. He leads all players in the NBA in triple-doubles, I believe. 36 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, a steal and a block as well on great percentages. Only missed one shot from the floor all game, along with one free throw. So tremendous percentages. Um, 17 points for Jamal Murray, along with seven assists, 23 points for Michael Porter Jr. Good to see him playing and productive again. I think he's missed uh, a good amount of time this season, much like previous seasons with injury. Um, they also get 12 from Bruce Brown and 11 from Aaron Gordon. Nice balanced effort. And Denver takes care of business at home to continue their win streak. As we said, that's their seventh straight victory. Uh, I think that's the let's double check that real quick actually. Yeah, second longest winning no, third long. No. Let me let me get this right. Yeah, that was the second longest winning streak behind Memphis and their uh they had 10 game win streak yesterday or Tuesday. It's a little bit late. Please bear with me. Um finally our last game of four games from Tuesday night's slate of action. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers take care of business on the road this time in L.A. against the Clippers, uh, 120 to 110. Um, pretty solid game for Philly, uh, kind of similar to the other games. Clippers made a run of it this time in the third quarter towards the end of the third quarter, but uh, Philly took it back in the fourth and didn't really look back. Uh, you know, for the Clippers, solid game from Kawhi Leonard. He continues to to play well for them when he plays. Um, 27 points, four rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block. 
decent percentages. Uh, 16 points from Norman Powell. He's the second leading scorer for this game off the bench. Uh, then they had 12 each from Zubats and Mann and 13 points from Paul George. Kind of a rough shooting game for Paul George. Meanwhile, for Philly, they were led by Joel Embiid, as you'd expect. 41 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks. Great all-around game for him. Uh, 22 points for Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench. And 20, point, 20 points for Tobias Harris. Uh, six rebounds, six assists, and five steals. Nice defensive effort and nice all-around game for him as well. Harden also adds nine assists. Uh, and Philly, despite a lower scoring game from Harden, only six points, they still get the job done. And they uh, they have some wins that they've strung together themselves. They've won the last few. Uh, they're moving up. They're, they've passed Brooklyn within the last day or so in the Eastern Conference standings for third in the East. So uh great win for philly and that takes care of our our five games again not too much uh to take care of there you know just some good action a little bit of movement uh for different teams but regardless let's jump to our key news not a ton of items here uh mainly some injury things to note uh firstly uh for cleveland donovan mitchell uh did miss tonight's game versus memphis with a left groin strain uh, that was suffered in the previous game. So the best wishes to him. Hopefully he's able to return soon from that. It doesn't sound like an ultra severe injury, probably more of a day-to-day type thing. They'll determine if he'll play that night or if he needs to rest a little bit more. Um, but regardless, hopefully he's back on the floor soon. Uh, reverse injury news and, you know, more positive sense, guys returning from injury. Uh, for Washington, guard Bradley Beal did return tonight versus the New York Knicks. Um <clears throat> So that's, you know, great. I think he's missed uh, a week or two. And so that'll help Washington as they try and right ship after some some rough weeks. And then for Phoenix, <clears throat> they've been without Cameron Johnson, their forward, for a long time. He plans to return tomorrow versus Brooklyn. That's a big sigh of relief for a Phoenix team that's uh, desperate for some help. They've really been struggling still without Chris Paul, still without Devin Booker. So at least Cameron Johnson, a nice forward, can help them out a bit. And then hopefully soon they can get Booker and Paul back into the fold. Um, and then finally, uh, kind of some sad news uh, for, you know, just NBA legacy type things. Uh, former NBA player and coach Chris Ford passed away um, within the last couple of days at the age of 74. Um, he was a member of the Celtics 1981 championship team, uh, longtime NBA coach, and he is the player credited uh, with scoring the league's first three-point basket uh, in the 1979-1980 season. That was the first year the NBA had a three-point line. He gets the credit for scoring the first three-pointer in NBA history. So, um, But he was a solid player, um, certainly a valued part of the Celtics franchise and history. Um, I think he coached with maybe a few other teams. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know as much about his career as maybe I should, but... Um, Look here, I played for the, the Celtics here. Um, he succeeded Jimmy Rogers, a Celtics coach, and led the team for five seasons from 1990 through 19, the 91 season, excuse me, through the 91 season through the 1995 season. Uh, made four playoff appearances, um, was, you know, competitive in the playoffs uh, to an extent, didn't ever get beyond the conference finals, but still, you know, which if you think about those Celtics teams, they had lost, um, you know, some 
the the roster makeup is interesting of those teams to you know there's a whole different discussion we can have with that we might have that next week if we choose to focus on that with our franchise focus but regardless um you know in the twilight years of the celtics 80s run you know kept the team pretty competitive um and then had other head coaching stints with the milwaukee bucks and la clippers uh and helped assist with the 76ers coaching staff in uh the early to mid 2000s so yeah it, it definitely a uh a big part or not a big maybe not a big part but maybe not as big as some other players or coaches i definitely don't want to diminish his legacy but a, a notable and important player in the whole nba history and landscape and certainly the celtics history um, as a productive player a championship player and later a coach of you know playoff competitive teams so um definitely want to you know pay respect to him uh of course best wishes to to his family and the, the Celtics organization, NBA family at this time, you know, losing a, a guy of, of that caliber and, uh, you know, who's had his legacy, definitely a big loss. Um, but regardless, that takes care of our uh, key news for tonight. Let's go ahead and shift into uh, that trade deadline type discussion that I had uh, alluded to briefly uh, momentarily. For this, I mainly just want to look at some pieces, their ESPN Plus uh, pieces uh, by Bobby Marks, and he gets into a lot of specifics of trade deadline. Um, and he has a few different pieces to talk about. This first one is titled 2023 NBA trade deadline, big, big questions, targets, and draft capital for every team. Uh, I think this could be mainly, I'm just want to look through, see what his thoughts are, what, you know, some ideas are and discuss kind of my thoughts bounce, you know, use it to sound off my own ideas, I guess. Um, yeah, he, he looks through and does something for each team. Um, yeah, questions for Hawks. How do we feel about the young DeJounte Murray pairing? Um, he, so he has different sections. Uh, of course, the front office discussion is like the main questions that you'd have about the team at this point in the season. Then off the board, he has some players listed that are probably not going to be uh, traded or would you know would there be a lot of things that, that inhibit a trade with that player players with trade value and then those players that will become free agents uh they're on expiring contracts controllable contracts so they can be re-signed or they have options uh long-term salary Clint Capella um becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2025 so he's gonna be there for a little while draft capital finances so it's just breaking down like the whole situation not really offering possibilities. Um, it's like, okay, here's the situations with the team and what might need to be changed with that specific team. But this piece doesn't really delve into possible options of trades that would work. Uh, but still a, a noteworthy read if you want to get the the specifics of your individual team. Um, let me glance, since I'm a Jazz fan, of course, I'll go down and glance at the Jazz, see what it talks about here how do we assess what is best for the future versus the long-term health of the team would we trade away key contributors if it costs us a spot in the playoffs or play in what message does that send to the locker room uh it's a good question i would say for this point of the year um slipping into a play-in spot is probably a good goal maybe even a you know six seventh seed avoid the play-in um i think that they've been to an extent surprised with markinen's breakout as not just a solid player but a potential all-star um they have 
of course Conley's contract is bigger, but he's he doesn't have too many years. It could be a trade scenario. Uh, they have him listed on players with trade value. Kyle Linick, maybe Vanderbilt, Clarkson. I think they would keep Clarkson. He has a player option. Excuse me. After the season, um, Blake Beasley. They've got a lot of, or they've got a few free agents this coming off season, um, but they are. They're not. Well, we've got Talon Horton Tucker, who's been nice in spots, but he has some, his flaws. Uh, Balmaro hasn't really played very much at all. Rudy Gay is getting older. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is kind of similar to THT in some of those things, and Azubuke, who continues to not really I don't know what his value is as a player because he really doesn't get a chance to play um smaller contracts uh Ochai Agbaji the rookie and Simone Fontecchio uh of course the the old rookie old rookie I mean he's not too old but he's fair for for rookies he's pretty old uh from Italy long-term salary they've got marketing for a while and Colin Sexton I would say those are probably your two as far as age and potential, certainly Markinen, but also Sexton. If you compare him to Mike Conley, Clarkson, and even Malik Beasley, I'd say Sexton's the guy that has the long-term ability. So if that's good that those are your two long-term salary guys. Um, and yeah, I'd say, you know, keep keep what they've got going this year. Maybe make some small moves if it helps them stabilize that spot. And it helps the Jazz fan base because they feel like, okay, we made a big change. We haven't really lost too much ground as far as being a competitive team. Now we have younger ability and we have all sorts of, you know, we have more free agents flexibility. We have draft capital. We have all those things. So I I think, you know, Jazz are in a pretty good spot, uh, even if they make a push for a play, you know, playoff or play in spot to appease the fan base. So maybe that's just me. Maybe there's some naive uh, insights in that uh, that thought process it's possible but regardless again a great piece if you want to look for this if you have ESPN plus um, really breaks down each individual team if you want to see some thoughts on your team where they're at what their moves might look like um, but let's talk maybe some um, predictions or some opinions more of like possible moves so there's eastern conference predictions and western conference separate these are both uh, two separate ESPN plus pieces again by Bobby Marks. I haven't really looked at these. I'm curious to see what, um, what the suggestions are here um, for Atlanta, right off the bat, John Collins, this is the name that comes up every year. Um, but this year, especially he has had a slump. We touched on it in a previous episode. Um, so there's an option to trade him. And of course that's been in the past, but with his decline in play, maybe they look more seriously into it, especially with Atlanta struggling a bit more. Um, it doesn't really give, let's see, trade we would like to see. Here you go. John Collins and Vit Krejci. Again, I've, I've seen the name before. He's been in the league a year or two. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I apologize. He was with the Thunder a year or two ago. To the Raptors for Chris Boucher, Thad Young, Kem Birch, and a 2024 top 10 protected first round pick. Um, interesting. Okay. So getting just some solid, like front court help, like making the front court a little bit deeper, even if you lose a guy that's more talented, even if he's struggling more talented than those three, I mean, that young's close, but he's getting old. So I don't know. That's, 
that's okay-ish. I don't think that's really a landmark move, but interesting. Uh, Celtics. Um, they want to see the Celtics get Hernan Gomez from New Orleans for some second-round picks. I don't know if they really need that. I feel like their front court's making it work, and they recently got Robin, Robert Williams back, the Time Lord. I don't think that they have a huge need there. Um, Nets. They want to see the Nets give up some of those uh, bench-warming guys, Davron Sharp and Kessler Edwards, to get Jared Vanderbilt. Could be interesting. I don't know if that would help much. I mean, I don't know. I think the Nets are going to kind of be happy to stay put unless it's some sort of move to try and bring in another name because that's been kind of their MO the last year or two. Um, Vanderbilt, that could be a good move for them. For the me as a Jazz fan, I wouldn't want to give up Vanderbilt because he's been solid for us. But um, Charlotte Hornets, trade meter. So they, they have a trade meter on each of these uh, sections. And they have the trade meter at a 10 for the Hornets. So they want um, – they, they're really expecting the Hornets to make a move. Here's one. Uh, Jalen McDaniels to the Lakers for Wenyan Gabriel and three second-round picks. Another possibility, P.J. Washington to Indiana for Chris Duarte and the 2023 first-round pick from Cleveland. Those are both kind of moves that are washes. I mean, I know the draft picks have value. Certainly, you know, as a someone who enjoys watching the NFL and getting to know a little bit more about NFL, how they construct rosters, draft picks, first round, second round, third round. Those are all always valuable. And the NBA, I feel like it's different. I feel like first round is always pretty good value. And then second round, unless you're going to find that diamond in the rough, second round picks don't have a great track record. Generally speaking, again, there's plenty of great players that have come out of the second round, but it's, you know, a lot more tricky. So I don't know. Um, and that's again probably a naive opinion, but um, you give up a forward for a not as good forward in Gabriel and a not as dynamic forward, or you give up Washington, who's plateaued, for Duarte, who's severely plateaued and maybe even fall off this season. I don't get either of those moves. I don't know. I don't really see either of those things. Um, Bulls, a lot of question marks for the Bulls here, and I kind of touched on this with our franchise focus last week. Um, trade we'd like to see Kobe White to Phoenix for Cameron Payne and second round picks in 2023 and 2025. I don't think that I don't think the Suns would do that trade. So I think they like Cameron Payne as that backup point guard. He's played well when he was, you know, filling in for Chris Paul. Um, I don't really, I don't think they'd give him up and draft picks for Kobe White, who's I know he hasn't gotten as much of a chance in Chicago, but I also just think he's kind of fits in a wash of, of guards with some scoring ability and some athleticism that haven't been as productive as far as, you know, a team cohesion and winning games. I like Kobe White, but he's just kind of an unknown in that sense. So I don't know about that one. Um, again, there's plenty of these we could talk through. Those are just some some interesting ones. Um, a lot of these are some more minor moves. There's not really a big name from what I can see as far as, hey, we got to make this big move. Um, from what I'm seeing as I'm kind of glancing through, let's maybe check the the other one, the 
Western Conference predictions. See if there's anything more noteworthy there as a uh, as predictions for the trade deadline. Um, let's see. Okay, this could be an interesting one. So the Mavericks. Again, this is a piece by Bobby Marks. He has this suggestion. Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, and Jalen McDaniels from Charlotte for Tim Hardaway, Davis Bertans, and a 2027 top 10 protected first. So there's a lot of names in this. The only problem is um, this is kind of <laughs> kind of a steal for Dallas, and I don't know what Charlotte gets out of this in my view of it. I mean, Tim Hardaway is nice. But Terry Rozier has been playing about that same – at Hardaway's best when he's healthy and available and playing well. Rozier is more consistently playing pretty close to that level, if not above that level. Ubre's nice when he plays, and Jalen McDaniels is versatile. So you give up, you know, more certainty for less certainty. You get Davis Bertans, who was famous for his struggles in the playoffs. Um, you get a pick, but it's – way in the future and your team that's trying to build right now i don't know about that that's kind of kind of lame there's more names to talk about with that move but not much there warriors here's a suggestion for warriors james wiseman and moses moody to charlotte for pj washington jalen mcdaniels and mason Plumley. he really wants charlotte to make a move um interesting i mean mason Plumley could be an interesting fit for the warriors his kind of ball handling and playmaking, you know, wrinkle as a center, I think could fit what Golden State does really well, especially with Wiseman's decline in play, struggle to come back after the injury. Moody hasn't really been a piece for them. They also get PJ Washington and Jalen McDaniels as forwards. But again, it's I don't get what Charlotte gets out of this. I mean, the Wiseman potential is one thing. The guy who was you know, in that same draft class as Lamella Ball, that is noteworthy. But then you're giving up a solid player in Plumlee and solid in Washington. You know, these aren't moves that are going to suddenly make Hornets much better. It'll make them, it would make them worse, I think. Is it a clear roster? I don't know. I, I don't really get that one. Um, Rockets, nothing big there. Hey, there's not really a, Big move that's being suggested. Oh, this one could be this one could be a big one. Well, this will be our last one we check as just you know out of curiosity. So he has a suggestion for the Clippers. So Jason Preston, Brandon Boston, Robert Covington, and Amir Coffee, plus a 2028 top five protected first to the Raptors for Fred Van Vliet, Dallin O'Banton, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Clippers will send a 2028 and 2029 second to Toronto if the first in 2028 is not conveyed. Okay, so there's a lot of moving parts in this. The big names would probably be Covington for Van Vliet, plus, you know, names and draft picks and things. Okay, for Toronto, I I don't know. I guess the, the draft potential is interesting. I guess Toronto is one of those teams that really kind of hovers, hovers in limbo right now because they have a couple of all-star type guys in Van Vliet and Siakam who are good. And they've got an okay core around them 
their depth isn't that great and they're really struggling in the East. And so you give up one of your all-stars for more just like depth type pieces, but you lose some of like your depth's kind of at a, a net neutral. You give up an all-star type player for a solid player in Covington. Your draft, I don't know about that. Of course, for the Clippers, it'd be great. You get Van Vliet. He strengthens your backcourt, you know, along with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard when they play. Um, but I don't know. Not really seeing much. Let's check one last one. Lakers suggestion. Uh, two different trades. They want to see Patrick Beverly uh, go to the Spurs for Josh Richardson. So they want to get the shooting. And they also want to send Kendrick Nunn to New York for Emmanuel quickly and Svi McKayluk. So, again, playmaking and shooting, recurring theme with the Lakers. They always want to add shooting, and it's a, it's a valid point. But um, regardless, you know, there's a lot of speculation. And, again, as the trade deadline comes up, there will be more and more of this. But that would be helpful to just, you know, share what people are thinking as far as, you know, what moves would make sense uh, for different teams, different players, things like that. Um, we've probably spent a little bit more time on that than maybe I wanted to, but still worth discussing. Let's go ahead and kind of get things moved towards wrapping up here real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me, I just need to get a drink. Um, so let's share predictions. And I've already posted these on uh, the Instagram account. Again, if you have not heard yet, we do have an Instagram account for the podcast. It's crossover, across time, all one word, no caps. Um, we post, of course, content from the show as far as weekly MVP winners, uh, power rankings, predictions, as we're going to reveal here. Those are also on Instagram. We also do our best to like and share content from different NBA teams and, and history type things. So if you want kind of a one-stop shop for you uh, staying caught up on the NBA, that's a great place. You get caught up on what we're doing on the show, but also what's happening in the league in general. Um, but even better than that is the podcast itself, of course. But uh, regardless, I'll go ahead and reveal my prediction for this week first. And my prediction is, just to clarify, these predictions aren't specifically just to this week. They're predictions we make this week, but usually they're kind of like season long or, you know, for the next while. Mine is for the next couple of weeks. So the Memphis Grizzlies currently have uh, – tonight they extended their win streak – and a game we'll talk about in tomorrow's review of what happened in today's games gets kind of mixed up. Regardless, they currently have an 11-game win streak. And my prediction is their next four games are all against Pacific Division teams. So they have the Lakers, um, the Suns, the Kings, and the Warriors. I don't remember the exact order of those, but those are the next four games for the Grizzlies. So are all along the Pacific Coast in the Pacific Division. So my prediction is Memphis Grizzlies will sweep those next four games and move into the conversation for longest winning streaks in NBA history. Um, there's a uh, probably about a seven or eight way tie for 25th longest streak at 16 straight wins. So if they win their next four, that would put them at 15 straight wins. So they would be pretty close to that, you know, one of the better winning streaks in NBA history type conversations. So Kind of a longer prediction, longer winded, um, but we'll see a lot more soon, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, within the next week or two, whether that comes to fruition or not. Uh, for Justin, he's got a lot more straightforward prediction here. 
And I like this prediction. I think that's a good one. His prediction is that Walker Kessler, the Jazz rookie center, who's been more and more productive, he will be on the uh, NBA's all-defensive second team or named to the NBA's all-defensive second team at the end of the season. I think that's a pretty good prediction. I think it's, you know, right in that perfect gray area for these predictions, the fun part of it where it could happen, it could not happen. You know, it's I could see it going both ways. The rate at which he's been improving this season I would lean towards that being a pretty good possibility. He's leading the rookies, I think, pretty easily in blocks per game, and he hasn't been playing that very many minutes per game. If he gets an increased role, maybe even becoming the starting center, I can very easily see this happening, being an all-defensive second-team guy. Certainly he'll be an all-rookie team member at this point. But, uh, yeah, great prediction from Justin. Hopefully mine kind of met (laughs) – you know, met par, I suppose, for lack of a better phrase with that one. Um, Regardless, let's go ahead and get the show wrapped up. We maybe went a little bit longer than I planned, but um, uh, so let's start the wrap up with our This Day in History uh, fact. So This Day in History, January 18th, we're going back to 1972 for this one. So January January 18th, 1972, the Lakers, quote unquote, Mr. Clutch, uh, Jerry West sank a last-second 20-foot jumper to lead the West team to a 112-110 to all-star victory over the East as he garnered MVP honors. Now, I forgot to double-check this, but I want to say off the top of my head that that game was – that all-star game was in Los Angeles. Again, I need to double-check that real quick. Uh, so please bear with me. 1972. Yes. It was in the forum. I knew that. And the, the, the uniforms were styled after the Lakers because uh, I've seen those pictures. That's something just on a, an off topic that I wanted to – I've thought every once in a while, and I, I want to mention it here. I think that they should bring this back. And I feel like they kind of tried to do it the last year or two. Um, but I think the NBA, the best option for the All-Star uniforms is modeling it after the – the team where the all-star game is their uniforms. Um, and I'm also going to plug something here while I'm talking about this idea. Uh, there's a website called B-Ball jerseys, B-B-A-L-L jerseys.com. And it's the basketball Jersey database. And this is a great place for me as someone who likes, enjoy, likes enjoying, likes to, you know, uh, look at uniforms, try and design some uniforms I think would be better for, for teams and, you know, uniform concepts, looking at the history of the uniform, seeing all the different designs that have been tried uniforms that were great or that were terrible. You know, this is a fantastic resource. I'm not sure who does this website, but this is a tremendous website that they've done. Um, And they include, they have the history of the all-star game uniforms and you can look back all the way back to 1951, what those uniforms looked like. For the, a, a long time, the uniforms were all pretty basic. Uh, white home jersey, blue road jersey, red stars around the numbers, and that's kind of it. Um, but then they started to, it was the 60s, where they started to add a little bit more flair to it. But the best examples of this, what I'm talking about, with the all-star uniform being designed after the team uniform where the all-star game is being played at is 1967. They were in the cow palace in um, San Francisco where the warriors played. 
by the way, Cal Palace, one of the great all-time names for an arena. But those uniforms have like the the Warriors style logo with the Bay Bridge, but they also have All-Star Game with the stars. That's a fantastic All-Star Game jersey. And there's also um what's another good example of this? Yeah, the 1972 game that I mentioned. It's a pretty standard all-star design, except the colors are gold and purple, just like the Lakers. And uh, the numbers even a little bit are styled after the Lakers numbers. So that's another great example of designing it after the the location where the all-star game is. Another great one, 1975. Uh, they styled the uniforms after the Phoenix Suns uniforms. Pretty much exact. I mean, the, the jersey, the shorts, um, little sun on the side has west or east in the sun uh the text is the same like font so that's a great example um the 1981 is a pretty good example too in the capitol center in washington those all-star uniforms i mean they look just as much like any other all-star uniform with the the red the blue the white and the stars but of course if it's bullets and it has the bullets typical striping on the upper half of the jersey so anyways that's just kind of a the examples that stand out most to me as far as the best all-star uniforms they sort of did shades of this with like the mid-90s with the the phoenix all-star uniforms and the san antonio all-star uniforms but those were just more styled for the location and really styled for the 90s i mean those are some 90s heavy uniforms if you've ever seen them um but you know i'd really like to see a return to that style after the team where you're playing they also did shades of this in 2021 the game was supposed to be in indianapolis they moved it to atlanta i forget exactly why but the jerseys are styled very much like uh pacers uniforms or you know shades of pacers with yellow and blue and kind of the racing numbers and that type of thing but um regardless I've, I've gone off on that tangent far too long i could talk about uniforms all day um but i know most people probably don't care that much so we'll go ahead and finish up thanks again for listening um sorry this episode was he's coming to you a little bit later than normal but uh we'll be back tomorrow potentially with justin we'll have to see what works out with both of our schedules but we'll be back tomorrow with our franchise focus again this time we'll be talking about the cleveland cavaliers uh and we'll be back with you then